For the first time ever, I am thrilled to say we have an official sponsor for the Dirk Talk podcast, and that's Ariat. I've worn Ariat boots on every job site I've visited over the years, traveling in them across five continents. More importantly, I have yet to find a single project where working folks, unlike me, are not wearing Ariat boots and workwear in every condition imaginable. And there's really good reason for that. And that's because it's phenomenal stuff. And the more I've learned about Ariat and the company, the more I've loved their brand. So with this, Ariat is offering any Dirt Talk listener 10% off their next Ariat order at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk. That's 10% off boots, jeans, and workwear at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk or at the link in this episode's description. With that, let's get to the show. Um, so we don't have to really focus on this too much today, but, um, you know, with the feedback form thing, mm-hmm. a good bit of feedback has been, we wish the first half of the podcast was more structured. Really? Yeah. Which surprised me a little bit. So that might just be something we can talk about in the next couple of weeks. I'll put together a couple of thoughts of a way to make it a l- little more direct. You can record this. I mean, we can put this on the podcast. Is it recording right now? So the first half of the podcast, like we just wandered too much in the first half? Yeah, I think a lot of folks, I'm speaking very generally here, there was just a a handful of references to, we wish they just got to like the questions. Yeah. Yeah, but the shooting the poop's the fun part. I'd agree. So I I feel like... And you kind of need to warm up to get to the point of answering the questions in a cohesive manner too. Yeah. I feel like... I feel like we need to shoot the poop a little bit. I think probably, and this is maybe more of a technical thought. Um, it's the problem with feedback. Yeah. I don't want any feedback ever. I just yeah. want to do what I think. Yeah. Um, well, this is the problem with feedback when it comes to creative pursuits, right? Yeah. We, yeah. I mean, you don't got to preach to me on this. Yeah. But please do. It, it, <laughs> feedback is helpful in life in general. Yes. I understand feedback. Outside perspectives. Absolutely. But in creative endeavors, it's not all that valuable. I and just feel like you have oftentimes to. Oftentimes it ruins it. I feel like you have to. Well, I mean, this is typical with any kind of feedback, but I think specifically with creative endeavors is you really, really, really have to weigh it to does the does this kind of feedback help me refine my creative thing to be more of what I want it to be? Yeah. Or if it's just like, for example, talking about the first part of this podcast being more structured or having more, um, I don't want to say of a point, but like we usually get to dirt stuff pretty quickly, I feel but like we, we might do. be on a couple things, but I think with create like creative endeavors and like with this podcast, if I, w- and you and I were both very much against any structure at all, then we would hear certain kinds of feedback is like, well, then you don't understand mm-hmm. or then you've missed the, point but then if my goal was i I want this to just be as good as it can possibly be for the listener well then maybe i'll do everything that you know the audience says we should do on the podcast which is also not the goal so there is like that balance of it's like you know part of the build with mission is to make the dirt world a better place and not just for 
not just for our people, like not for our people at all. You know, if we wanted just to make BuildWit a better place, that's a that's a different goal. And so when I think about feedback in this place specifically, it's like does 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 that feedback when adopted does that help us achieve the goal we have in this room? And sometimes it will. It's well, it's it's very much a dichotomy mm-hmm. because, um. Yeah, it's it's dichotomy because the more people that listen to the podcast, the more we can effectively make the dirt world a better place, mm-hmm. right? So this is a, a means to get people to understand what the dirt world is, think about the dirt world at a higher level, um, take the, the things we're talking about and bring it into their dirt world lives to go make the dirt world better in their own worlds. It's it's a way to amplify what we're trying to create yep. just beyond us two talking. Um, so the more people that listen, the better obviously yeah. for our mission now th- th- then you have to ask yourself well do people listen because it's the way it is <laughs> or will more people listen with more structure yeah and i think or that's does really, that take away from weird. what it is yeah. it's just like and that's what's tough about creative endeavors is it's squishy there isn't a formula there isn't a right way to do things there's no right way to podcast there's no right way to have a conversation there's no right way to make the world a better place it's 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 open for interpretation and it has to that's why i i i don't like a lot of structure a lot of times because it just feels like work and then i'm not that excited about it mm-hmm. i like to look forward to the podcast i like to come in here i'm like great we get to talk about the dirt world today this is going to be awesome if it feels like a job then you just don't have that i just don't feel the enthusiasm it's just like with photography Okay, I could go out to the coolest place ever. Say, Rio Tinto, Bingham Canyon, Kennecott. Unbelievable mining operation. One of the biggest man-made excavations on planet Earth. And if I say the biggest, there's a bunch of people that are like, no, it's not the biggest. (laughs) So one of the biggest in the world. Yeah. Screw you people. Um, But one, one time I'm there with just my camera and I get to do whatever the hell I please, photograph whatever I want, however I want to. And the other time, they give me a shot list of 20 photographs. And maybe maybe they even give me total unrestricted access. I could just run around the place, which would never happen. But say, give that one even a greater advantage. I could just do what, go wherever the hell I I pleased. But I have a shot list. They need these shots. That, the photographs would be way better off, way better off. If I could just do what I do rather than having to work off a shot list, because mm-hmm. if I'm having to work off a shot list, then I'm it's just becomes a job. Then it's not a creative pursuit anymore. And then I'm just like, I don't want to do this anymore. The struggle with creative work is if it's just truly creative work, <laughs> then it's potentially not that valuable to many people because it's so individualized that it just makes sense to you. Mm-hmm. So where's that middle ground creating value for other people so that you can make money to continue your creative pursuits? It, it's so tough. It's so tough. But then there's also creative work. Excuse the word here. There's also creative work that can seem awfully masturbatory, which is like, like when I think of uh, if you see like a singer or something like that, I'll have a thought like, man, they love how they sound. They mm-hmm. love how they look right now. Sure. And it's like, okay, <laughs> well, then I guess it's still creative work, 
but then it's crossed all the way over to this is for nobody but the person doing it. Yeah, yeah, but but there's a big difference, and you can pick up on it from someone just so into them versus someone that is just so them. If that makes sense. Oh yeah, yeah. like yeah. just so pure, and it is for them because that's why they're so excited. But it's for like the love of the game. It's yeah, it's just it's just so like a Steve Irwin talking about fucking lizards. I love that. The Great guy point. he's just so fired up. Or like yeah, this is the third most poisonous snake in the world. And then he just grabs the damn thing. You're like this guy is <laughs> a maniac, and yeah. he's like dangling it around in front of his face. Like wow, she's she's gorgeous. And he's just so fired up about it. And you can't not love it because he is so in love with it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think it's so attractive from like a human nature standpoint. Mm-hmm. You're just you're just drawn. It's just like a magnet. You're drawn in. Well, I would say that. I mean, certainly that's something that I think is attractive. Uh, magnetic about you. Is your like love and excitement for the dirt world and for the people in the dirt world and like you say like you're not like a machine specifically like a machines guy from a specs perspective but like you still love heavy equipment like big mm-hmm. time yeah and so i i think in a lot of ways you have a lot of those same traits where it's like it's not i feel like your thing is not performative that it's like i want people to see me and see that I love this stuff. It's more like I love this stuff and I want to talk about it. You know, I think and yeah. I think that's kind of what you're talking about is that that maybe it's gray area, but like you said, there's a difference between somebody doing something because they're really into themselves and somebody doing something because it is them. Like they they are that thing that they're doing. They can't help but just pour out that love or excitement or enthusiasm versus like I'm doing this because I love how I look when i do this thing you know what i mean like there there is a big difference there like you said some of it's just you 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 smell it then intent kind of thing i don't Mm -hmm. know but yeah that's something a big part about you or well maybe or maybe i'm just totally off base and this whole podcast thing is just all about me so i can just hear me talk because i love hearing me talk and i have a nice halo behind you from the dirt talk sign i do i do i do listen to these but it's really just so that i can criticize myself like wow i'm terrible at talking i need <laughs> i need to get better at, no. at, at articulating my thoughts because i'm doing a bad job well yeah i mean i think that's the reason the, you and i listen and watch any of this at this point it's just like oh, i could do this a little better next time yeah you know i want to be a little bit more direct with how i speak or whatever i'm also the way i process is through talking me too so it's hugely helpful to actually play back a lot of this because i'm like oh that makes sense or okay that idea i've been working on that for a while but i finally was able to articulate it that's interesting it's 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 a super valuable tool from like a refining my thoughts Mm -hmm. and perspective point of view but it's just it's just like i hope people don't take it all as the gospel because that's the that's the downside with having to talk and refine your thoughts. It's imperfect. It's it's not it's no, by no means a masterpiece because you're working through it as you're talking. So it's going to be messy and I just hope that people understand that that's part of the process. It's not going to be refined. We're not getting a script and reading from a teleprompter of something very well thought out. Well, yeah, this is not like a uh well, so I I listened to a podcast called The Money Pit. 
which is just like a home improvement podcast. People call in. It's really a radio show that gets turned into a podcast. But it is like so dialed from a like they're on the radio. Of course, it's Mm -hmm. so tight. There is no space in any of it. And not once in any any of those episodes is somebody going, hmm. Yeah, that's kind of a that's like a heavy thing. Like I need to process. There's no processing. It's all just like, yeah, I'm here with the answer, baby. Well, but then you have to look at where society is going. Like, look at by a long shot, the most popular news media program in the country is Joe Rogan. And there's no structure to it whatsoever. <laughs> obviously, it's so long. It, it's so long, but it's a lot of like, huh? Yeah, I was wrong about that. Or it's just it's just genuine, real conversation, which I think people are drawn to nowadays. And I think that's why these news, traditional news organizations, Fox, CNN, all their ratings are just continuously down, down. They're only going one direction right now. They're not going to be able to dig the, dig the way out of this hole because I think the ship has sailed on that format. Mm-hmm. And it's all like, okay, great, CNN, you're played at the airport because they have to <laughs> they have to play you. And like, you know, a bunch of old folks watch watch you in the evenings. But other than that, you're, you're you're headed in one direction, whereas there's all of these other formats that a lot of times just tap into that hugely like raw, natural human conversation that I think people are so drawn to nowadays. It's interesting that you bring up Joe Rogan. So I that is not my favorite podcast. And that's I've listened okay. to pl- I've listened to plenty of it. There's been some guests that I'm like, I really like that guy. I want I want to listen to that episode. I have plenty of space in my life for nuance and gray area. I think where that podcast gets a an unfair rap and reputation is it is an easy sort of thing to clip out whatever you want to make it seem like it's about whatever you think it is. Totally. Because the conversations are so long form yeah. that unless you get it in a whole piece, you can make any section of it say whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And so to me, that's the, that's like the the misinformation, dangerous part of of that. And I'm dangerous. I'm putting in quotes, but it's, I think, both sides of like a political spectrum or a philosophical spectrum. If you if you clip out things because like, and somebody posts it and you agree with that, you're like, oh, that person must be like me. It's like, well, yeah, but if the if right before it he said, what if I said, and then says the thing, yeah, and so. I think what's interesting and what is part of kind of what we're doing here, like we are processing in real time a lot of things. I mean, I'm bringing questions to you you've never heard before. No. And so how how are we supposed to have like open, honest conversations about things if I give this to you beforehand, you practice an answer, I read it, and then you're right to the camera. To me, that's just not not real life, man. On the next episode, we want telepro- I want teleprompters. Let's again. just see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Yep, <laughs> that's fine. We're going to be working off a script. And thank you time. for listening to Dirt Talk. This is WKRN. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, no thanks. No, yeah, you can take Joe Rogan, but he's he's said that he's said that a bunch of times. Yeah, and that, that, that's that the credit, was the like, whole I controversy sure around him. It. Yeah, because like I feel like anybody that actually listens to the show is like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, what? you've obviously never listened to an episode then if you, but it was all the people that did, that don't listen. They don't have the context. And then they take those sound bites and can go craft whatever narrative they want to go craft. 
And you're like, holy shit. Wow, I can see how someone that's never listened to this guy before can go so dramatically in another direction. But I guess whether you like it or not, it's just the just the numbers. Like you can't argue with the numbers. The numbers are so ridiculously overwhelming compared to and I didn't realize how big of a gap it was from him to the like, like traditional next. news networks. It's nuts. It's nuts the size of the audience. And it's also such a weird place to get news. Yeah. From the former host of Fear Factor. Yeah. I'm, well, silly, I went but... to his comedy show yeah. and he's and that was one of the comedy bits. He's like, okay, yeah. You guys are the idiots if you're getting medical information from me. Like, I'm not the idiot. You're the idiot. <laughs> like the, the guy knows a lot about comedy and drugs. Like, just to be clear, those are thing, two things he spent a lot of time on, a lot of time researching. Yeah. Like just, and he's also extremely curious. Like, that's the, that's the other part um, that I, I don't know if that was like a, th- a thing I needed to like make sure I took into account as I was like listening to them. But I think that's like an important part of that conversation where it i love that he brought up like you're getting the news from me like that's on you but i think that's also like a like a meta commentary on the whole thing for Mm -hmm. him for himself which is like i'm just trying to have conversations and ask people about stuff and because there's so much space he can also ask rhetoricals and the rhetoricals are what's get get reposted whatever else correct anyway yeah anyway next podcast um we hear you guys thanks for the feedback it'll be all scripted teleprompters we'll be good to go and then the one after that will be three hours yeah but still scripted and we'll do dmt ketamine i'm down i'm down man (laughs) we're not going to do drugs on this podcast heads up the most ridiculous podcast i've ever (laughs) listened to was joe rogan at post malone oh yeah post is interesting he's an interesting dude yeah but they were they were on well, sure. DMT or something sure. like something heavy, <laughs> and it was so ridiculous. And I think I ran like twenty miles while I was listening to it, just cracking up the whole time I was running. He's got one with Theo Vaughn that I I thought was really really yeah, funny. That was a good one. I guess too. ridiculous. All right, let's get to the dirt talk. Anyway, you're welcome, everybody, for that. Yeah, we're gonna cut all of that out. And okay, here's where the podcast starts right now. Here you go. Welcome to Dirt Talk, everybody. And we have no nonsense today. We just have questions. Question number one, Alex. Let's hear it. Let's do it. Question number one from Sam. You you have to edit out the let's do it. No, I said no nonsense. No fat on this podcast. Very efficient. Okay. Question number one. Okay. So actually, this is sort of a pause. (laughs) I printed off this question last time, but I don't think I read it. If I start reading, you're like, no, 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 we did that one already. I apologize. I couldn't find it in the the episode before we started. Yeah, we're doing this no-nonsense thing really well. Today. Yeah, we're really good at it. Question from Sam. I've been in business for five years now and become more profitable every year. I'm looking toward the future and planning for hiring employees. What would you recommend having in place before I hire anyone to help ensure I set myself up, set myself and them up for success? I currently have my mission and vision laid out. I'm trying to figure out the HR and legal type aspects. My current thought is to have areas of responsibility, key results for those areas, and benefits laid out. What else should I have in place to cover my own butt and to have the best chance of success for my team? Um, so, yes, I would try to figure out the basics. Um, pay, obviously, payroll, that kind of thing. Insurance, if you can figure that one out, that's a big deal. Um, any kind of just general benefits you don't have to be a big company to get benefits you can get that at any level nowadays so we didn't have that day one but we had that within the first year i would say i think it's kind of like a hierarchy of needs 
So on the hierarchy of needs, on the bottom of the pyramid, you have those basic things. Can I feed my kids? You know, can I see my kids? Can I take care of my kids if they get sick? Those are typically the questions you're going to have to answer. It depends what your workforce is. If your workforce is a bunch of 25-year-olds, that's not as important. Mm -hmm. They just want to make a bunch of money and have fun. Okay, cool. Um, but most people, it's you're going to have to fill that what are their needs, approach it from their point of view, income, insurance, future, retirement, whatever you can provide there as a small business owner, I would invest in because that goes a long ways. I wouldn't cut any corners there and we haven't cut corners there. Now, do we have the best programs imaginable? No, but as we've grown, we've been able to make them better and better and better. And they're pretty damn good. I mean, we pay all of people's insurance, for example, yeah. which is something we don't have to do, but I just think is right. Um, so that's kind of step one. Step two, you now have to start going into that. You do need kind of a structure there. I would think through who you need and how to create your structure. And then I would start thinking through, okay, great. You have your mission vision. Make sure that is relatable and talked about day one, but then make sure you have your values because that's important when it comes to hiring. So mission for people to be attracted to your business, that's important. And to know why they're showing up every day for retaining, that's important. But the actual hiring piece for you as an employer, it's really important to have your values written out so that you can hire based off of those values and uh, and then train on those values day one. Um, without our values, there's no way in hell we would have been able to scale the business to where it is today. Not a, n n not a chance. And everybody goes through what we call a culture interview. And it's not so much that we're making it we're evaluating them based on culture fit because that's a terrible way of, of hiring, actually. It's we're evaluating them for core attributes that we've ha fleshed out from our value system. And that's humility, that's courage, and that's situational awareness. Those are the three attributes we evaluate for. And we ask situational type questions to evaluate for those attributes. And if they pass, it doesn't matter how skilled they are, whatever, then they can go on to the other interviews and then, okay, great, our people team's bought off on them. They're good to go. So I would first evaluate, and for you as a small business owner, it's not going to be a defined process like that. It's going to be kind of gut feeling, you feeling them out, but feel them out based on values, not just intuition, because your intuition is oftentimes wrong when it comes to people. <laughs> Anybody that thinks they just have a good judge of, of it, it a good judge of character, it's not really a thing. Like from a statistical, psychological standpoint, it's been proven to be pretty false. You need to fall back on some kind of structure. And so I would start to find your values and then just start evaluating people based on values rather than just skill set and what they have to say. Like humility, for example. Mm -hmm. Okay, if humility is important, you would ask some kind of question like, when was the last time you were really wrong? And and you can put that into conversation. That's not like this gotcha question, but then you just listen to their response. Like if they open up real quick, like, oh man, I really screwed up the other day. I, I backed into this lady's car. I wasn't looking, total mistake, made sure she was taking care. Like, okay, cool. He has, he or she has some level of humility that we can start working with. But 
if it's something where they they struggle to find a time that they can talk about mm-hmm. that or they go start talking about a time, but then they start weaving it into how it was someone else's fault. You're like, oh, okay, good. We've identified there's a lack of humility here. They probably need to go work on that themselves. I shouldn't draw them into our business. I would, as a small business owner, as you start hiring, I would take it really seriously because these are human beings. These are human lives. And I don't think our industry treats it as such. They just treat it as they're just pawns, they're a number. I know a lot of companies say that. They don't, they, they say the opposite, but they act like they are just part of the machine they run or uh, no different than the shovel they pick up and, and use, which is a shame. Treat it as a really serious obligation and something that's, that's really special and a true opportunity. But then also don't stress out so much about it because you're going to screw it up <laughs> you're, without a doubt, without a doubt. I mean, I, we, we brought on beginning of this year, 30 something people in two or three months and we had no people problems. And I went to Dan Randy who helped run the company and I said, I don't feel good about this. There are problems somewhere. And I am a little uneasy that we haven't had any people problems because there's no way we just batted a thousand on bringing that many people into our business. There's no possible way we nailed it. Sure as shit, right after I said that, we started to have a bunch of problems, <laughs> which which isn't good. I don't wish for problems, yeah. but I'm smart enough to sit there and say, there, there are going to be problems here. Our process is not perfect. And if we're not seeing them, we're blind here. We need to be looking out for them. Um. And so it was it wasn't a good thing that we started having problems, but it was a little relieving because it's like, okay. Like this is probably natural. This is good. So we aren't completely blind, but we do need to be diligent here because I think there are more problems. So I would take it really seriously, but also just know that you're gonna screw it up, you're gonna fail, do your best, do what's right, try to care for people on their way out. But a lot of times it's there's just no easy way to do it either. Mm-hmm. Those are the worst conversations I've had as a business owner by far. Way worse yeah. than like losing a customer or whatever. That kind of stuff's easy compared to having to let someone go. That's hands down the worst thing to do in business, in my opinion. You brought up um, a little earlier the the three like core attributes that have been kind of sussed out as being really important to our business. Can you say those again? Courage. Courage. Humility situational awareness and we haven't done a very good job diving into that as a business right now um, there's more like we've identified them we got to keep moving it's still kind of new and it's it's built into our hiring process mm-hmm. so everybody on the front end is being evaluated for them we just haven't educated our current workforce on that however we extracted them from our values so, so they're, not, they're not made up yeah yeah they, they started from our values um that's how we got to that position anyway so, okay, we're not that far off base. We didn't just invent them yesterday and we have no value system or anything like that. We have our value system. So everybody's still somewhat in line with that already. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about identifying um, like those kind of attributes that are important to you, like as a business owner? Obviously, we've got like the core, the core values. But from like an attributes perspective, can you just talk about that a little bit more? Because, you know, with, with Sam talking about he's very soon will start trying to hire some people. You know, what can he do to be more comfortable identifying some of those attributes specifically? 
The best book I've read on values is called Uncontainable by Kip Tyndall of the Container Store. He talks in depth. The whole book is about their values, which is spectacular. So highly recommend that from a value standpoint. From a mission standpoint, Conscious Capitalism by John Mackey. Fantastic book there. Um, from an attribute standpoint, The Attributes by Rich Devinney. And we've had Rich Devinney come into our business quite a few times now to help us work through that attributes problem. Um, but the whole concept is you have skills and you have attributes. Attributes are kind of just there. Skills are taught and learned. Attributes aren't. You can learn humility over time, but you kind of have it or you don't. You can maybe learn some humility, but you're not necessarily humble. Yeah. And and it's like as a business, it's not our job to go teach someone humility. Either they have it or they don't coming into our business. And mm -hmm. if they don't, okay, then that's a pretty easy no, regardless of what kind of skill set they have or what they could potentially offer our business. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, I will link all of those books in the show notes. I had a couple of people reach out over the last couple of months saying, you know, Aaron referenced this book or mentioned this podcast. Can you all make sure to, to link those? Like, I think that's a, that was a great thing. Um, once I read that, I was like, yeah, we'll love that. Because we, we hit a lot of either book titles or, I mean, every once in a while, like reference a movie. But I think that's probably pretty good to like help everybody kind of be in on the same conversation if we drop book titles or things like that. Yeah, all I do is read and learn because I am wildly underprepared to lead the business <laughs> I, I, I do mm -hmm. and to be in the position I am. Uh, from a job standpoint. So all I do is read, listen to podcasts, have conversations, think, you know, digest my thoughts, reflect, because I need to do everything I can to figure this out. Yep. Um, so everything we've done as a business has been learned from books and a lot of just experience too. You just got to hire some people. Okay, great. This person didn't work out. Why didn't they work out? What were the problems there? What were some of the red flags in, you know, as you interview somebody, maybe take some notes. And then if that person doesn't work out on the back end, you can go back through those notes. Oh, okay. So here, here's one of the things I should have been looking out for when I was talking to them. Okay, check. So you can create a feedback loop. Or if they worked out great, you can still go back to their notes or what are the qualities they have? Okay, great. I need more people like that. That's fantastic. So create a process. I think the sooner you have a process when you're hiring, the better off you are. Too many people don't have processes. There's a lot of big companies out there. They just, they need people so bad. There's no discipline to it whatsoever. They just hire whoever the hell they can find. There's like, you say you can do this. Okay, come on, you can work here. But but it, it, it's, it's counterproductive because mm -hmm. then you get just this culture of mush, which then only attracts, which attracts more of more mush, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. And it just keeps perpetuating in a negative way. Whereas if you're more disciplined, even if you need people very badly, you're going to start to create an organization that is not ultimately going to have a people problem because it is going to be disciplined. There will be a defined culture. Everybody is on the same team there and people want to be part of a winning team. It just takes some discipline to get to that point. Mm -hmm. And it's super easy to just, hey, nah, let's just get them in the door because we need to meet that deadline or we need to go build. I get the pressure of all of that. But it's a slippery, slippery slope. And there's a lot of companies caught up in that slippery slope right now. Well said. Sam, thanks for the question. Aaron, thanks for digging in on that. All right. So we do this every once in a while on Dirt Talk where we, I'll read an email versus like a specific question. A guy, Mike, 
emailed me maybe last week. And I, I just feel like this is worth just reading. And then I'm sure you'll have a couple of thoughts afterwards. Okay. So this question is from Mike. We in the thermal coal business had a downturn in 2015 and again in 2019. During these downturns, my company, along with many others, saw layoffs and operations close. I have observed that the older hands often retire and many others simply leave the industry altogether. At this point, there's dramatically smaller groups of companies than in 2014 as the industry has to continue to decline. We end up trying to poach each other for skilled labor since it can take up to five years to train someone in many of the most important jobs we as an industry have. The only new people we get are kids out of school and a limited number of people looking to make a career change for whatever reason. We rely heavily on a temp service to provide labor just to put people in place to run. The turnover rate is embarrassingly bad. I believe this stems from a combination of the difficult nature of the industry. Even at the best companies, this work has a high failure rate for new hires due to work conditions, hour shifts, etc. And the culture of bringing in new people that are not experienced in coal or with working in general. We as an industry are notoriously bad for the school of hard knocks mentality discussed in a prior episode. All is to say that the reasoning behind the episode is right on and directly applicable. When I came to this business from 10 years in construction in 2014, I took a temp job and picked up trash in the parking lot my first day. I'm now in management. I tell this to all the new guys I run across, not to toot my own horn, but to give them a tangible example of someone who showed up and learned what they could take advantage of the learned that they could take advantage of the opportunity in front of them. People are listening and keep fighting the good fight. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. Coal right now is going through the roof, which is good. The coal's comp biggest competition is not renewables or anything like that. It's gas. So as gas has gone higher and higher and higher, coal has become cheaper. Power companies are after the cheapest power. Yeah, I just want it to do the thing they're supposed to be selling. Yeah, so it's just per unit of power, you want it to be as cheap as possible. Some days it's coal, some days it's gas. A lot of days over the past five, ten years has been gas, thanks to fracking. Can I ask a stupid question real quick? Yeah. Um, which is more, like, energy efficient, like, per unit of energy? Or, like, what takes more volume, gas or coal? Like, I, is that a stupid question? I don't, I, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, Sorry. but well, coal, coal is um, coal is probably a lot more energy dense than gas. Sure, I guess, but that makes it sense. depend. I mean, then you gas. It, you're comparing apples to oranges because gas is a gas. Coal is a solid. Is a solid. Got it. Okay. <laughs> um, a gas will expand to fill any volume. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So <laughs> you can have liquid natural gas, which is a different different deal. Um, I. You know, I've seen a lot of really sad coal mining operations where you just go there and you can just tell everybody is just like, there's just no energy, no energy. And then I've also been to coal mines, like the one I was at last week, yeah. Red Hills, where everybody just loves what they do, man. Loves it. Loves it. Um, coal, it's not a growing industry. It's growing right now because gas is high, but over the next 50 years, it's not a growing industry. Mm -mm. That said, from a career standpoint, the, the thing with workforce is even though it's declining, your workforce is declining faster than the industry is declining and the industry is not going to disappear. So there are still enormous career opportunities for anybody getting into the coal industry today. Mm -hmm. 
because we're we're gonna need coal perpetually you know for i'd say the next 50 plus years i don't think it's going away anytime soon mm -hmm. and you have all of these old timers aging out it still needs to get done so that creates a massive opportunity for any young person right now willing to get after it in that industry and it's a cool industry there's some badass equipment you work in some badass places the reclamation work is among the best in the mining industry just from like a satisfaction standpoint they all the guys in red hills they get way more excited talking about the reclamation than they do the mining the mining's like okay yeah we gotta get the coal out of the ground but what we really love to do is we really love to see the environment come back to an even better state than when we found it um because you have much stricter more stringent environmental standards in coal mining than you do other kinds of mining interesting yeah okay um, thanks to the Clean Air Act, I believe it was, that started to set all of that into motion. So, I don't know. I don't really know what else to remark there. I, there's enormous opportunity in the coal mining industry. Coal mining is fantastic. It needs some new energy. It needs some young energy. It needs everything we talk about on the Dirt Talk podcast. It needs people like, what was his name? Mike. Mike, it needs more people like Mike that are willing to go out and pick up trash in the parking lot. And now they're working in management. And I guarantee you, Mike hasn't been working all there that long because those opportunities are widely available right now for people willing to get after it. That said, it's not all on the next generation. Oh, wow, there's great opportunities. Go get it. I think the coal mining industry needs to adapt as well. Or else mm -hmm. It's not going to have the workforce. Same thing that we talk about with construction yep. or any other blue collar industry. It is what it is. They're going to have to pay more. They're going to have to figure out shifts a little bit better. They're going to have to continue to invest in equipment. They're going to have to continue to do things to attract the next generation because it's it's a – they used to rely on small-town America. Small-town America doesn't really exist anymore. So they need the workers from somewhere. Yeah. It's a complex problem. We can't – this isn't something that we can just sit down on a podcast for 45 minutes and figure out. We have solved it. Yeah. We did it here. But I have seen coal mines that don't really have a labor problem. There's certainly a reason for that. Yeah. It's because and, – and, dude, it's like North American coal. It's crazy. You'll go there. A lot of the guys have been there for 30, 40, sometimes 50 years. They have been there around the block for a long, long time long time because they love what they do it's challenging it's different every day they get to literally shape the earth as they go mm -hmm. it's so cool the biggest equipment around drag lines it's awesome work super fulfilling some of the best paying work in the areas it's in too um but coal needs to talk about it because people just don't know coal is still a thing well and there's you know only been like negative pr Totally. And, you know, like, like you, you've mentioned multiple times, like really in all of the uh, industries we serve that are a part of the dirt world or connected to the dirt world, there are always going to be like bad negative versions of all these things. And yet, like, we're trying to tell the story of like the, the industry as a whole and the majority of like the companies in this industry and certainly all the companies that we work with, like are doing it in the right way like that needs to be like shown and yet it's like that negative pr stuff that kind of just is the only thing that gets out a lot mm -hmm. of times yeah yeah coal it's it's not going away anytime mm -hmm. soon and i was talking about this with somebody i mean mining and coal 
it's an important part of decarbonization of uh, sustainability because you still need to create the baseload power while we're stiff while we're figuring out these other forms of power if that makes sense yeah you, you still need the baseload power it's 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 okay great you can create all the wind and solar you want that's not baseload energy it's not consistent you need consistent power coal provides that baseload power that is absolutely essential for the entirety of society so and people can kick and scream about coal all day long and the problem with coal it's been so demonized that we don't permit new coal power plants anymore. The technology's gotten way better on coal power plants than it was back in the day. So you have all these old power plants, which are not all that great from a technology standpoint. You have the ability and technology to go build far superior power plants nowadays, but the problem is you can't permit them anymore. It's just, it's this weird problem. And I feel like a lot of it's been caused by not talking about the realities of coal mining, not showing people Here's what a coal mine actually looks like. Like I just did this the other day with our leadership team. We brought our whole leadership team out to the Red Hills mine so that I could show them. Great. I wanted to show them a drag line and coal mining and this and that, but I really wanted to show them. Here's what a coal mine looks like. Here's what a coal mine looks like. Every single person was like, I cannot. Their favorite part about it was the reclamation. It wasn't the coal mine. It was completely different than anything they'd ever seen before. Yeah. Anything that they have in their head, all their preconceived notions about coal mining disappeared after I brought them out on a coal mine and showed them. Yeah. You see that stand of pine right there that looks gorgeous? That was the coal mine 15 years ago. Just so you're aware, that's what all of this land is going to turn back into. And it just completely, wow, that's incredible. I love that. Big fan of coal mine. Big fan here at Dirt Talk, here at BuildWit. Yeah. Well, I think that is a podcast, my friend. Cool. I think we did it. Okay, everybody. Well, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for the questions. Send your questions to dirttalkatbillwit.com if you have feedback for us. If you want more structure, let us know because apparently that's all people are doing nowadays. <laughs> that's, what, that's why I was worried about the feedback thing because then it's like, and we're going to go take it a bunch of ways. and We're just going to listen to it, read it. We're, we're shutting the podcast down immediately. This is our last episode. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't come back. There's not going to be any more content. Trick. Yep. But thanks for listening. We'll see you guys on the next episode. Until then, stay dirty.